It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. There's been a lot of debate around the NFL about the best skill positions. I'm joined today by wide receiver expert Matt Harmon, whose work I've been following for quite some time. We're going to dive into the Bengals trio of wide receivers. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake, Lis- Jake Lisko, today joined by Matt Harmon. He's done reception perception for as long as I can remember, Matt. That's how I first remember encountering you probably, what, 10 years ago on Twitter, something like that? Yeah, it's getting up there. It, it's getting up there, man. Uh, yeah, I've been doing reception perception since the 2014 season, or at least that's when the full database started getting populated. I think I started releasing like kind of um, the early findings, you know, it, er, before the 2014 season. So yeah, man, it's been a while. It's crazy that it's been that long. But yeah, it's, it's good to be talking to you today, man, especially about this group of wide receivers, obviously, is one of the most exciting um, duos and trios, really, in the entire NFL. And I feel like this conversation has been a long time coming with how far back I, I remember following you when you had a hundred followers or something like it was <laughs> way back. And and since then, obviously you've blown up also doing some work for Yahoo fantasy and Yahoo sports. Today's episode of lockdown Bengals is brought to you by blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from blue And you'll get $50 off because you listen to lockdown Bengals purchases of $500 or more using promo code locked on at checkout. And that includes engagement if you're thinking about a summer proposal. Matt, without further ado, we're going to dive into the wide receivers, except one piece that I need to delay this for just a moment. James and I will be back together in the near future. Larry Ogunjobi has signed a one-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers after speculation has been rife that his return to Cincinnati may be imminent. That will not be happening, however, and that's something that James and I will get into coming your way tomorrow. But for now, Matt, let's talk about reception perception. Let's talk about the work you do. We're going to talk about the methodology that you've come up with because it's really predictive. And it's one of the reasons I can't quit Curtis Samuel and can't quit (laughs) DJ Moore from a fantasy perspective, but it's really predictive in, in that way. I think you found over the years and also is a lot of work. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about what the methodology is and and what your primary findings have been over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're right. It is a lot of work, but it's, it's so much fun uh, because I feel like I discover something new about the wide receiver position, um, you know, every single year. And, and I've, like I said, I've been doing this for a while. So I think that the best part about reception perception is that it has been around a while. And now that, um, you know, we have so many players in the database, you know, I've, I've charted over four, about 400 guys uh, since 2014, like full reception perception samples, um, you know, almost 60 to 70 guys get added to the site every single year. So it's really, there are things I said about, you know, the data three, four, five years ago that I would never say now. And I think that's the the fun part about it is the more players you get into the sample, the larger the sample size is, the better we can become 
you know, me and everybody else that, that follows the series at, you know, predicting and forecasting based off it. But to kind of take it back to the original question, um, what reception perception is, is it's the charting methodology that I developed to, to kind of better evaluate wide receivers. Cause you know, your listeners know this, you know, this, everybody knows this, that, that follows the sport wide receiver is probably the most dependent position on outside variables in order to accrue production. You know, obviously at a base level, you know, you need to get an accurate ball thrown your way in order to just put up a catch, you know, you can get yards and whatever, but you know, there's so much more that even goes into it, you know, beyond that, obviously I think Cincinnati fans are, will, will be one to, you know, unfortunately know this, like you need a good offensive line to block for the quarterback to allow enough time for wide receivers to get free down the field. So what I wanted to do is try to find a way to isolate wide receiver play from all of those outside variables and evaluate the one thing a wide receiver can really control, which is how often do they run good routes and get separation and get open and present that reasonable target to a quarterback. So that's what I do over an eight game sample. I chart every single route that the receiver runs, you know, how often they run each route type, how often they get open against each type of coverage, man, zone, press, et cetera. Really the goal is again, to isolate wide receiver play from those outside variables. And kind of also, in addition to kind of telling you, you know, is this guy good or what are they good at? Like what sort of bucket do they fit in, in the NFL? You know, what type of receiver are they? Cause the way um, that an X receiver has to win is very different than your slot receiver, something like that. So really I'm trying to anything you want to know about wide receiver play from an individual perspective, reception perception is uh, I'm hoping the source to help you do that. And what are the primary KPIs, as it were, key performance indicators or indexes or whatever that acronym means to those of you that are in a reporting world out there. What are the what are the key takeaways that you have to say, this guy's really good and this is how I know that? Yeah, I think it's different for, like I said, each receiver type, you know, because this is a very extreme example, but just looking at like two rookies last year, um, you know, what Jamar Chase was doing couldn't be more different than like what a Rondell Moore is doing for et cetera. That's a very, very extreme example, but even like what chase is doing is very different than, you know, even a Jalen Waddle or a Kadarius Tony type. So I think it depends. Like I think alignment is really where it has to first start. Like if you're going to be an outside X receiver though, we typically want to see these guys at a 70% success rate versus man coverage to kind of be, to, to grade them out as like a really high quality starter, right? Um, then when you get into like success rate versus press, we typically, again, want to see over 70% there. But if you're up towards that like 80% range, then we're talking about one of the best outside receivers in the NFL. You know, but the the bar kind of moves differently when you um, – when you're looking at sort of those interior players, like a big right. slot receiver type, like a Cooper cup or, or, you know, years ago, Juju Smith-Schuster was kind of the, the poster uh, boy for that, you know, position. So it depends really where the alignment has to kind of be the first starting point of the conversation. Of course. And is, is separation something that you're charting as well? Like success rate, I guess, does that mean getting open or yeah. does that Correct. mean catching yeah. so, a pass? Correct. So success rate is how often they get open. So if you're running 99 routes, you know, you're open at 78%. That's the percentage of routes that you're getting open. So it is obviously like you see these kind of target separation metrics. I I think that's kind of a faulty way to evaluate it because for one, like if you're getting a target, you're you're, you're most likely open to get that target or you're thrown into a contested situation, which can then, you know, influence how far away they are from a defender. And it's like, I don't really think it matters if you're 2.3 or 2.5, 
yards away from the defender. You're either open or, or you're not. So it is just my judgment after doing this for, for, you know, like you said, almost eight to 10 years. I feel pretty good about judging this sort of thing. Does the and maybe this is just a bias for me because I've watched more of this with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase probably than the entire Andy Dalton era. But does the, to me, increased prevalence of the back shoulder throw, the increased popularity of that throw, and it's probably not. It's probably just my experience of watching the Bengals more than any other team. Does that make it challenging? So for all those back shoulder Jamar Chase throws, is he open on those? Does that count as a success or is that a contested situation? I think I think it counts as a success. Like if you're putting yourself in the position to make the catch, I yeah. think you're considered open, especially if you're these guys like Jamar Chase. You know, I would I would I would chart that as a success because again, it's a skill to be able to put yourself in that position. I mean, there are guys like uh, you know, that get thrown these back shoulder passes that they put themselves in a bad position to win that thing. And then I would then say that that is not a success. That's not open. So it does kind of depend on uh, the certain player. You know, Jordy Nelson obviously was a great player in that, you know, regard him and Aaron Rodgers. And I would also say, too, just the the prevalence of it is probably not as much as, as we think. Uh, it's, you know, maybe five to ten plays over the course of, of an of a RP sample. And so it really doesn't move the needle as much as we might think. There you go. That's the methodology. Coming up next, we're going to dive into the Bengals trio of wide receivers. We're going to talk about some specifics, but Matt's content is really good. So you should go check it out there as well. I'm not going to make him give up all his trade secrets. (laughs) We'll dive into that trio before getting into some subjective questions for Matt coming up next. First, I got to tell you about rockauto.com. They've been sponsoring the podcast for a long time. You've heard us talk about them. If you've heard us talk before, because they make buying auto parts easier and cheaper than going down to the chain store. And you don't have to deal with somebody behind the counter doing the same thing you could do at home, which is just looking up your car part and ordering it in because let's face it, there's so many cars out there. They can't stock everything anyway. On top of that, you're going to save money. We talk about it all the time, 30, 50, even hundred percent more at the chain stores than you'll pay at rockauto.com. Our favorite example, the Honda Odyssey fuel pump, $353 at the chain store, just $216 at rockauto.com. The prices are reliably low for every customer. There's no variable pricing if you're a do-it-yourselfer or if you work in a shop. So you can check it out online. Again, very easy to use website. Everything you could need from brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil, new carpet, air filters, You name it, they've got it at rockauto.com. Go check them out. Like I said, see all the parts available for your car or truck at rockauto.com, right? Locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, we've talked about the methodology of reception perception. Now I want to talk about the specific Bengals receivers. And these guys are young. That's my favorite thing about them. But you've got great data that no one else has about Jamar Chase, about T. Higgins, about Tyler Boyd, who Bengals fans and myself 
both count as, in my opinion, the best trio in football. We'll get to that later. Let's talk about what you saw about these guys first. And let's start with Jamar Chase, the reigning rookie of the year, of course, who smashed records. And we'll talk a little bit about some comparisons later. But when you studied Jamar Chase, what were the things that jumped off the page at you as to how he was so successful as a rookie in the NFL? Yeah. So I also do prospect charting as well. So I, I had a, a little bit of a preconceived notion of Jamar Chase coming into the NFL, uh, obviously through reception perception. And um, the Could interesting thing press is giving, coming out of college, uh, Matt. Yes. Yeah. That's yes, what was, yes. I, that was so <laughs> insane to me. It was like, uh, you, you know, people think he's not a separator or something like that. I think, and, and this is the thing about wide receiver play that is, is frustrating. And one of the reasons that all those years ago, I, I wanted to do reception perception it's probably only got more frustrating the more time i've watched wide receivers and, and had to you know see people talk about it is like just because a guy is winning a lot of contested situations does not mean that they're not getting open you know uh a lot of it like we talked about earlier is trust between the quarterback and wide receiver you know this particular relationship is unique between burrow and chase because they had a history with each other before the NFL, but like if you don't, if, if you have trouble understanding the idea that, you know, just because a guy's in a lot of contested situations does not mean they're a great separator. Just go watch Terry McLaurin film from last year and you'll see what I'm talking about. Guys up there in terms of every contested catch mark you could possibly see, but he's a great separator. He just has to play, happens to play with a poor quarterback. So um, e even at LSU, I thought Chase was really, in terms of prospects I charted going into that draft, was one of the best success rate versus press receivers, was one of the best success rate versus man receiver. And, and he's out there doing this as a, as a pure X guy. You know, in college, a lot of these players are movable chess pieces. You know, they're getting slot snaps. Jamar Chase was doing like NFL things, like from a pure and simple perspective that you don't normally see out of these receivers. And really that continued in the NFL, you know, in terms of his rookie year, he's at 81st percentile in success rate versus man coverage, 96th or 95th percentile success rate versus press. Like he is truly great at separating at all levels. I mean, he is as dangerous a downfield receiver as we might have in the NFL right now, but he is great at hitting those layup, those layups, you know, the intermediate routes too. So he's a full field guy to me. Um, you know, the, like I mentioned earlier, 75.3% success rate versus man, 81.6% success rate versus press. That's like, that's true. Number one, high level numbers, you know, right away as a rookie, um, you know, these are numbers that are hit by, you know, some of the best receivers in the NFL and chase did that in his first year. I think he's, everything that he's built to be and, and you know and perhaps more we'll see what like his encore over the next few years looks like i seem to recall a tweet indicating that he was one of the most frequently pressed receivers in the nfl yes. to have that high of a success rate as well was that you was that a matt Harmon tweet it probably wasn't mine but in terms of like the data from guys i have right now that are on the site you know and uh, i mentioned to you before we started recording that he you know that the, the full guys that are going to be available you know and it's going to be about you know, 50 to 60 NFL receivers that'll hit the hit the website on July 1st. Um, but right now, of the, the 30 plus guys that are on the site, he does lead uh, the sortable data table database in terms of routes that the amount of routes that he was pressed on. So yeah, he's it's it's unbelievable as a rookie to be pressed on. You know, that percentage of his routes and post that success rate is is pretty um it, it's it's pretty uh, like un unprecedented stuff that he did in his rookie year as a 21 year old rookie. No less. 
with some incredible run after catch ability as well. There was yeah. a period in the season when he was near the top of the leaderboard or at the top of the leaderboard and yards after catch per catch and like depth of target or like air yards per catch or something like that, which is absurd. And he finished mm-hmm. the season near the top of both of those marks as well, just showing that he is that complete guy that you talked about. Let's move on to T Higgins who doesn't necessarily get the hype of Jamar chase. And he's a little overshadowed by Jamar chase, but in his own right, coming into the league, very young, like Jamar chase, still very young is a, in my opinion, very good wide receiver. What does your data say about T Higgins? Yeah, I really like T Higgins. Now he's a guy that, you know, coming into the NFL, I thought might be more of like a classic possession receiver type, but I think the, I think the spot that he's really taken me by surprise is his ability as a downfield receiver. You know, you look at his route success rate chart in reception perception. He's got an above average success rate on post routes, on nine routes, you know, even the intermediate stuff too, outs, digs, everything like that. He is really a full field separator, much more probably than, than I thought. I mean, he can hit those big plays, but he can also hit some underneath routes as well. You know, because Jamar Chase, is their X receiver on most snaps. You know, uh, T Higgins does get to operate as the flanker as well. I think the area that, I mean, and he's not quite the same separator as Jamar Chase, you know, 71, but still 71.4% success rate versus man coverage is an extremely good number. 67th percentile. That's the sort of benchmark we talked about in the methodology section. I want to see if you're going to be a true like one. And I would say that he's, T Higgins is like a one B receiver. I don't think he's right. a number two. I think he's more of a one B type. Like when, you know, Chris uh, Godwin and Mike Evans were popping off for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's a similar sort of duo right there, even though the skill sets are different. So yeah, he's, he's a great separator across the board. I really think he is, like I said, if Jamar Chase didn't exist, right? If they went in the, the hypothetical universe where they took an offensive tackle of fifth overall, they wouldn't be the same team and they made the right choice. I thought it was the right choice at the time, but still, if they went down that, you know, choose your own adventure, I think that T Higgins would be a more than acceptable number one receiver. But now the fact that they have these two guys together, they're both so good downfield. They're both such good separators against man and press coverage. It really presents a lot of problems for defenses. With, with T Higgins, did you see in any difference in, in his performance over the course of the season? Were there dramatic shifts or changes with him? Because he did have that shoulder injury. He's in a sling. He hasn't, well, he's not in a sling anymore. He wasn't a sling. He didn't participate in OTAs. He was on the rehab field. Did you notice any significant changes at any point in time with him or was it fairly consistent? I think his ability as a route runner, his ability to get open was pretty consistent. The one thing I think was different between early season and then some of the later season games sampled was I think the longer the season went on, the more comfortable he got as a contested catch winner. And that's really like, I think that's his trump card trait, you know, even as a collegiate player, as a rookie, you know, good contested catch rates really kind of struggled in that area the early part of the season, but ended up leveling off to, to a really strong, one of the higher contested catch rates. So it was charted last year for reception perception, because I think he got so good at winning those contested balls again, which, which is a pretty big part of his game. But I think that was, if there was any issue that you could point to as he was kind of coming, which makes sense. It's a freaking shoulder injury, right? Like I think that makes a ton of sense. That was really the area that I would point to in terms of growth throughout the entire season. I think it's also he's a young guy, right? And he's had the size. He was bigger than guys in college and got used to being able to use that physicality. And it just took a little bit of time for that to come along in the NFL. I remember thinking in his rookie year that he wasn't winning contested catch balls as much as I wanted him to. And I was thinking, this is going to come along for him. He was so good at this at Clemson. This was his thing. 
at Clemson. So it's good to hear that that developed in his second year. We haven't talked Tyler Boyd yet. We'll go Tyler Boyd coming up next. I have a follow-up question about Jamar Chase related to Tyler Boyd. And then I want to get your opinion on how these guys stack up against some other units in the NFL. We'll wrap up our show there with Matt Harmon of Reception Perception coming up next. First, I got to tell you about Built Bar. I want to tell you about Built Bar because they have innovated yet again. New flavors are something that we tell you about with Built Bars frequently on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And the Mud Pie flavor and the Mud Pie Puff are both can't-miss opportunities, especially if you're a chocolate fan. Whipped cream, chocolate mousse, covered in chocolate, as always, topped with a cookies and cream crumble. This is a protein bar I'm talking about. As a reminder, this is not a candy bar, just 150 calories, 8 grams of sugar, 16 grams of protein in what's essentially an equivalent of a baked good. It's like your mom made it for you. Go check it out at built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your order. If it's not mud pie, they've got tons of other flavors for you to check out as well. But I really want to get on this mud pie train. Again, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt, we haven't gotten to Tyler Boyd yet, so let's talk Tyler Boyd, slot receiver, different kinds of, as we talked about earlier, different kinds of indicators of success what does the data say about Tyler Boyd and is he one of the premier slot receivers in the NFL? And I think I know the answer. <laughs> yeah. Very good slot receiver. I think again, when we're looking at these slot receiver types, we care a little bit less about success rate versus manners, uh, certainly success rate versus press. Cause the more you play inside, the less often you're going to be pressed. Um, you know, guys like, Cooper Cup, I mentioned earlier, gets a ton of free releases and is a great zone beater. Um, he has been throughout his career. Obviously, he took his game to another level last year. Um, Tyler Boyd is not as good, obviously, as Chase or Higgins when it comes to beating press coverage, but a strong zone beater, a guy who can win on those uh, short to intermediate routes, really good flat route success rate, really good uh, dig route success rate. So he's not I was talking about this with slot receivers. Like he's not one of these like little pop gun or bunny hop slot receivers either. Like he can make legitimate big plays. I think he's also been another guy that's pretty solid, not quite chase or, or Higgins level in terms of uh, excellence at the catch point, but a pretty solid contested, contested catch receiver. His, uh, his full profile is not on the website right now, but it will be up on July 1st, along with the rest of the veteran NFL receivers. And now again, I think he's a guy that, in an alternate universe where they didn't take Jamar Chase would be a perfectly fine, acceptable number two receiver. Now he's like a number three receiver. And I really think that just was sort of like a force multiplier. They bring in Jamar Chase and it just puts everybody in such a really comfortable position. So yeah, I really like Tyler Boyd. I think he's obviously one of the better slot receivers out there. Talking about slot success rate, there are obviously differences that go into that, but something that has been discussed on this podcast on Bengals, Twitter, etc. is more opportunities for Jamar Chase in the slot. And this is a question related to, to slot play in Jamar Chase. Obviously he has a great success rate against the press. 
But do you see any added benefit of more slot reps for Jamar Chase in, in your charting or from a prognosticating perspective? I think that almost every team should play their number one wide receiver in the slot more. Um, yeah. Like I like I just mentioned with with Cooper Cup, like you get these guys that could probably hack it outside, you throw them inside, and it just it it just makes their life so much easier. You're allowed to hit more layups there. Um, winning as a pure outside receiver against tight coverage is just going to be a much more difficult task. I mean, just even think about the fact that you get the two way go as an inside yeah. receiver if you do face press coverage. Like it just makes your life that much easier you don't have to play with the boundary as like basically an extra defender there it just gives you a lot more room to operate and especially as you mentioned earlier like jamar chase is such a great after catch receiver that giving him those free releases getting him the ball in his hands faster would only increase the opportunity for bigger plays and i think especially in a world where you know the bengals might get rid of the ball quicker they might try to you know get uh, operate in shorter areas more i think they should explore that idea with jamar chase and you know tyler boyd is not a guy that like he again, he's not one of these bunny hop slot receivers like a Cole Beasley type or something like that, or a Jamison Crowder. Like you can get by with him in two wide receiver sets as your flanker. So in a in a hypothetical world where they they line T Higgins up as an X receiver because I think he could play there. You know they move Jamar Chase inside. Like you know you could put Tyler Boyd as like the pre snap flanker motion type of guy. So I certainly think that that is an, uh, an option available to the Bengals. And like I said, I think every team should consider playing their number one wide receiver in the slot more. The Bengals also use a lot of those condensed formations like the Rams do, where you have, in effect, more slot receivers, and they do yeah. a solid amount of trips as well, where Jamar Chase can and has been one of those slot guys. So let's talk uh, some some opinions. Let's let's see if you have any hot takes. We <laughs> we have a we have a hot take chain on this podcast that my co-host, who's not with us today, James Rapine, likes to don for such occasions. But there there are some debates about best skill units in the NFL. And then we're, we're at that point of the NFL offseason where the content that is thriving is what's your top 10 QB list? Oh, yeah, right. who, who, are the, who are the best QBs under 25? <laughs> but you have the data and your data is going to tell you certain things. Is it something that you agree with if I were to argue that the Bengals have the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL? Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like who who would you rank above above Cincinnati right now? Like I said, I think they essentially have two number one receivers. You know, they, or they, they, at least they have a one A and a one B. I mean, I think that certain players, like, I mean, I think Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are are, are sort of a one A one B, but they don't have anybody even close to you know Tyler Boyd, right? Like that embarrassment of riches there. You know, I think that. Same thing with with Philadelphia. If we're purely talking about wide receivers, like take tight ends out of the equation for a second, right? We're just. I think like AJ Brown and Devontae Smith at the end of the year could be regarded as a great one-two punch. But like then we're talking about our number three guys, Quez Watkins, or God forbid, it's Jalen Rager again. Like that's not even close. Um, maybe the. I mean, Allen Robinson is coming off a down season, but maybe if he you know, recaptures like 2019, 2020 form, you know, him and Cooper cup. And like, I think Van Jefferson's pretty underrated. Like they could get in the conversation, but yeah, as of right now, like I had to do a, a talking about like what, what content is pumping, pumping things up right now in the off season. I did a uh, grades for every single skill position unit for the AFC and the NFC. I think the NFC comes out later today. The AFC came out last week. I had the Bengals. It's a top graded skill position group in the AFC. You know, obviously 
buoyed mostly by the fact that I think they have the best receiver trio in the NFL and like they have a good running back as well. I think it's pretty, I, I don't even, I like I'm struggling off the top of my head to think who might have a better trio right now. And I, I don't think there really is one. It gets a bit more interesting when you make it a duo. And, and then you can have yeah. some real debates yeah, then with, with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins against so, some people even like Jalen Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill in Miami better than than that duo. I think there, there's a, a conversation, a debate to be had there. Yeah. I think T. Higgins is generally underrated. I think Me people too. look at his regular season stats and kind of say, yeah, he's a number two. These are number two wide receiver numbers. And he was hurt in the regular season. His His playoff run was incredible as well against some really – solid defenses and obviously he also benefits from like you said the force multiplier that was jamar chase added to a group that already had two good wide receivers so let's go jamar chase next and where does he sit in your hierarchy right now i know it's only one season but at 21 what he did to nfl defenders i thought was incredibly impressive surpassed my lofty expectations for sure but you know same same could be said for justin jefferson a year prior coming from the same school setting the NFL on fire, very young. So let's talk about those two guys specifically. Are you more bullish on one than the other for uh, a career based on the information you have so far? Yeah, it's really tough uh, to pick between between those two guys. Um, I do have dynasty fantasy fantasy football rankings on reception perception and like in terms of wide receivers and which is the only position I rank, like I don't, I don't care about running backs. Leave that to somebody else. Uh, obviously you're coming to reception perception for wide receiver information. Right. Um, you know, spoiler alert there. It's like Jamar chase. Number one, uh, Justin Jefferson is number two and they're in a tier by themselves because of the ability, what they did as rookie receivers. Obviously Jefferson has another year, um, but they already look like top 10 receivers right from the jump. And the only, from a fantasy perspective, I think the only tiebreaker there long-term is that chase is, you know, theoretically, obviously things can change, but tied to Joe Burrow and the Bengals for a long term. Um, Justin Jefferson, obviously, like they have Kirk Cousins for right now, but in three years from now, I don't think anybody expects like Kirk Cousins to be with the Vikings. So um, that's a tiebreaker there from a, but they're in the same tier. So it's really like who cares uh, between one or the other. I think from an NFL perspective, if I had to pick right now, I think I would probably prefer Justin Jefferson. Um, but it's very, very close. And that might just be the fact that like we have an extra year of Justin Jefferson to judge him off of than we do uh, Jamar chase. But like I mentioned where, you know, with, with Justin Jefferson, the, the one thing that I, I would love to see Jamar chase bump up a little bit in order to consider him like among the elite, elite receivers in the NFL is I would love to see his success rate versus zone coverage, clear that like 80% threshold. It's very close. But typically when we see guys get to where he is against man and press and they boost that success rate versus zone numbers up, you know, then we're talking about the best receivers in the NFL. You know, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, uh, Antonio Brown at his peak, Michael Thomas when he had those peak seasons, you know, Odell Beckham when he had those peak seasons. Justin Jefferson has done that already, but that might again be the benefit of the second year. So I think we'll always we'll always be comparing these guys. Like I might have a different answer. It might be Chase by the end of next year and then – you know, by 2023, it's like it keeps flipping back and forth. So I think these guys are they are the next breed, though, of like true legitimate number one receivers. I think Jefferson is knocking at that elite door right now. But Chase could be locking and knocking at that same door by the end of next season. 
We're just waiting for Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, and Justin Jefferson to get on the same team in the NFL and watch the fireworks go off. (laughs) I I was going to ask you, my next question was going to be, what does Jamar Chase need to do to take that step to to get to that next level? You read my mind and have already answered it. So that's all I've got for you, Matt. Really appreciate the time and insight into the Bengals receivers and appreciate all of you that have listened. Again, you can find Matt's work, Reception Perception, Yahoo Sports, Yahoo Fantasy, and his Twitter handle is right there on the YouTube video for those of you that aren't watching at Matt Harmon underscore BYB on Twitter. I've been following you, Matt, for I think a decade at this point. You joined Twitter <laughs> in February 2012. I'm pretty sure it's been that long. So it's been great to finally get a chance to talk to you about your area of expertise. For those of you that are regular listeners, next time on the show, James Rapine will be back with me. We'll have a mailbag for you going into the weekend, and we'll discuss Larry Ogunjobi landing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Until next time, Bengals fans, thanks for listening to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Go check out the rest of the Lockdown programs if you need a little bit more content to get you through the offseason. And until next time, day and have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.